Well, good morning. Uh, we have been reading about David's life through the books of First and Second Samuel. And a few weeks ago, if you were here, we read about how David was on the run from his son, Absalom. Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Once he had secured his position, he made his move, he assembled his followers, and he had himself anointed king. And with an army behind him, he went into Jerusalem and forced David to flee. Think about what an amazing scene this is. King David is driven from his throne, subjected to indescribable humiliation, not from a pagan enemy king, but from his very own son. Absalom's treachery and rebellion must have crushed David's heart. So this week and last week, we have been looking at these psalms that are traditionally tied to this period in David's life. These are the songs, including Psalm 3 that we're going to look at in a moment, is what David wrote about during this painful time in his life. So I'm going to read Psalm 3 for us, and you can follow along in your order of worship, or just listen as I read. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying to my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek, you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You're blessing me on your people. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for David, for his life that we've looked at, for the songs that he wrote, and for the fact that from the line of David came your son, Jesus, in whom we have hope and redemption. I pray we can believe that and see that however we're feeling right now. Some of us are anxious right now. Some of us are tired right now. Some of us are numb right now. Some of us are excited to be here. Others of us aren't even sure why we're here. Wherever we are, we know that you can meet us, that you can encourage us, and that you can point us to what we need to hear today. And I pray that will happen for all of us today in this room. In your holy name, amen. So my family lives near Humble Park, and uh, we all love to walk around that beautiful park. I enjoy walking around it all the time. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was walking in the park, and I was right by the lagoon, and I went underneath the bridge, and when I got out from the bridge, all of a sudden I felt something hit me on the back of my head. And I looked and I saw that I had been hit by a bird. I had never been attacked by a bird before, so I did what most people would do. I immediately texted my family laughing about the fact that a bird just attacked me. Kept walking in the park, walked by another part of the lagoon, and all of a sudden, I feel something hit me at the exact same spot in the back of my head. I turn around and on a tree I see one of those black birds with the red on the wing. I couldn't believe it, I got attacked twice. I turned around to go and I heard a noise and it came at me for the third time. I could not believe I've never in my life been attacked by birds, and now in one day, three different times, I was attacked. Well, about a week ago, I was walking in the park again, and I thought, I should somehow use that in this sermon illustration. 
I wasn't really sure what I was going to say, but I thought this could be an interesting story. And I kid you not, as I was thinking about what I would say, I got attacked by a bird again. That same black bird with the red on the leaves, on the wing. I seriously now, whenever I walk in that park, I assume I'm going to be attacked. Every time I walk by those black birds with the red in the wing, I assume they're out to get me. My guard is up for sure. My expectation is birds are going to attack me now every time I walk. And to me, this is an illustration of how some of us feel in our lives. Some of us feel like we are going to be attacked by some struggle, some pain, or some disappointment. For some of us, our guard is always up. We expect the worst is going to happen. Some of us don't feel safe and secure. We feel dread and fear around us. For some of us, we occasionally feel this way. For some of us, we feel this way all the time. David probably felt this way as he wrote this song we're looking at today. David had to feel fear and anxiety and dread as he hid in a cave his own son wanting him dead. So what did David do with his fear and his struggle? He wrote a lament to God. He wrote a song of questioning and doubting to our God. Brothers and sisters, we need songs like this in our lives. I am very grateful that the book of Psalms has a bunch of these laments that we can sing. God wants us to be real raw and honest with him. He's big enough to hear our complaints. We live in a broken world. We live in a world where we all experience pain and suffering and where it often looks like evil is winning. But we also live in a world where I feel like we're encouraged to try to escape the pain, to deny the pain, to act like it's not that big of a deal. Psalm 3 does not do this. Psalm 3 is honest with the hardship and pain. It begins with a complaint to God. David is in trouble, and he lets God know how he's feeling. There is a staircase of despair in verses 1 and 2. Enemies are numerous, overwhelming in size. So David cries out, how many are my foes? They are aggressive. They're making the situation urgent. David cries out, many are rising against me. And they are mocking and debunking his faith and demoralizing his spirit. David sings, many are saying there is no salvation for him in God. See, this is a cry to God for help, and it's that very cry that enemies are mocking. Verse 2 has them saying that, you know what? There is no protection from God. God isn't here. God isn't listening. God doesn't care. Charles Spurgeon, a great late British preacher, writes this about this mocking that David is experiencing. He writes, it is the most bitter of all afflictions to be led to fear that there is no help for us in God. It is the most bitter of all afflictions to be led to fear that there is no help for us in God. It is safe to say some of you in this room feel that way right now. Some of you might not believe there is any help for you from God. Because you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting 
and God does not seem to answer you. Some of you are struggling to believe right now. Some of you cannot understand, if there is a good God, why is our world so messed up? I've been there myself at times. It is not a good place to be. So what do we do? What do we do when we struggle like this? What do we do when it feels like everything is hopeless and the attacks are all around us? Well, in our psalm, we see a sudden shift in focus. And listen, David, in the midst of the struggles, not after the struggles are gone, not after he has figured it all out, in the midst of the pain and in the confusion, he turns from looking at self and his situation to looking at God and his glory. The paralyzing power of fear and dread is broken when we turn our focus towards God. Verse 3 has these great words that shift the focus. But you, O Lord. But you, O oh Lord, it's a shift in focus away from the enemies we're saying and even away from what subjectively David was feeling to the truth of God's provision and salvation. David shifts his focus from complaint to God to confidence in his God. And like the progression of despair that we see in verses 1 and 2, in verses 3 and 4 we see a progression of confidence happening. It builds as he remembers God's provision. First, David calls God a shield about me, a shield around me. This is not like one of those shields that you hold in your hand as you fight with a sword. This is a shield that covers you completely, that covers up the whole body and protects it. David is acknowledging two things that are true about him and true about us as well. One, there will be struggles. There will be attacks. God does not promise that we won't face any difficulties or attacks in our lives. Now, for us, it probably won't be an enemy army out to try to kill us. But we all have various attacks and struggles that come upon us. That's the reality of living in a broken, fallen world. But the second truth is we must believe that God is a shield around us. That God promises to protect us from all sides. And if you can believe anything today, and I know this is sometimes hard to believe, you are not alone in your pain right now. You are not alone in your struggle. You are not alone. But like David, we can cry to God, oh Lord, you are a shield about me. You know, sometimes if we look online, when we look at social media, we think, wow, we're the only ones that don't have any struggles. We're the only ones that don't have struggles with our kids or with our life. Everything looks great on the outside and we're crushed on the inside. I want to encourage you, we need to be careful to not put our focus on social media. That is not the shield that's going to cover us and make us feel secure. But God promises to surround us with his love and protect us from whatever we're feeling. You are not alone. Second thing that David calls the Lord is my glory. David is acknowledging here that any glory comes from God and God alone. David is placing his confidence not in his own ability and strength, but in God and his glory. David is admitting here that the glory, the literal weight or significance that he had placed his hope in other than God did not work for him. I mean, think about the story of David we've been in for the last few months. 
And what might he have placed his confidence in other than God? Well, he was the king of Israel. He was in the powerful place in Jerusalem. And that is gone now. He's no longer on the throne. Perhaps he placed his glory and his uh, significance in his popularity. I mean, he was loved by many. But not anymore. He's on the run now. That is gone. Maybe he placed his weight or his glory in his family. His own son wants him dead. Maybe he placed his glory in the fact that he had been called a man after God's own heart. Well, if you've been a part of this sermon series at all, you have seen that David's moral record is more than spotty. It's uncomfortable at times. You see, the things that he had placed his glory in are gone, and now he knows the only confidence he can have is in God and his glory alone. And may we believe this about ourselves. Often the good things we place our confidence in, that we are respected in our job, that our family is healthy, that we have funds that we can use to even help others, that we can be told we are good and honorable and one that is respected among others. These are good things to have. But we cannot place our glory in those things. We cannot place our trust in them. We must place it in our confidence in God and God's glory alone. And then finally, David calls God the lifter of his head. You might remember the last time we were in 2 Samuel, we read about how David fled from Jerusalem, defeated, dejected, despondent, and depressed. He hung his head in shame. Pastor Aaron read these words for us in 2 Samuel 15. David went up to the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot with his head covered, and all the people who were with them covered their heads and went up weeping as they went. This moment is where David is right now as he sings about and writes about the Lord lifting up his head. In the pain and weeping, David is confident that the Lord will elevate his face and restore his hope. David knows that he needs God's help, and so in verse 4, he cries aloud, and God answers him from his holy hill. The holy hill, Mount Zion, Jerusalem, the place where the Ark of the Covenant, the very symbol and pledge of God's presence, is in that place. And again, think about the context of David at this time. He is nowhere near the holy hill. He is hiding in a cave in the wilderness. David was far, far away from Zion, but he still had the confidence to call upon God and know that God will answer him. Can we today have that same confidence? Can we have that same hope? Do we believe that God listens to us when we cry? Do we believe that God cares for us? Can we believe, even just for a little bit today, that he covers us with his love and he protects us with his shield? You know, in the midst of the pain and the struggle David is facing, notice in verse 5 it says, I lay down and slept. I don't know about you, but when my anxiety and my fears and my confusion about life comes up, it often is right after I put my head down on the pillow or if I get awoken in the middle of the night. But David was sustained through the night, it says. He was able to sleep even though the problems were not gone. In fact, the very next verse says, many thousands of people set themselves against us. Yet David was able to sleep. 
You see, the situation has not changed, but the perspective has. The problem is still there. The enemies are still attacking. But David believes these words of hope in verse 5. The Lord sustains him. Listen, if you've been in this sermon series, uh, we have seen the worst in David. We've seen all his flaws and his missteps. We have seen how selfish, foolish, and sinful this man was. Yet despite all this about David, and it is true about David, we also get to see that he believed that God sustained him. He believed that God loved him. He believed that God protected him, and he believed that God will answer his prayers. He believed God had his back despite his sin and weakness. He believed that God really cared for him despite the situation he was in. He believed that God loved him despite the fact that David often did things that did not seem worthy of love. What if we can believe that today? What if I can believe that today? That despite my sin, despite your sin, despite our selfish actions, despite our foolish behavior, that God still has our back, that God still cares for us, that God still loves us. You know, I was recently sharing with one of you about a time a few years ago five or six years ago where I was seeing a counselor and I was going through a really, really rough time. It was one of those hard times in my life where I was feeling overwhelmed. Things were not going well in my job. One of my children had a health issue and the place we were living at, um, we had a bad landlord and a horrible living situation. And I remember I was sitting in this counselor's office and I was sharing all this, and I was looking down, not looking at him, and kind of expressing all my pain and confusion and hurt. And I looked up at him, and he had tears in his eyes. It freaked me out. <laughs> I was like, why are you crying? And he basically said, I hurt you. I fear you. I'm sorry that it's so rough right now. You know, he seemed to really see my struggles, and he let me know he's there. He didn't try to solve it, he just listened to me and acknowledged my pain. That meant the world to me. If you've ever experienced someone who knows your pain and acknowledges your pain and doesn't just try to fix your pain, but enters in and just is with you in your pain, that is a really good thing. I'm thankful that there are people in my life that help me know that not alone. I hope you have those people. I pray and hope that we as a church will be a place that is known as a church that walks alongside others in pain. I hope that people can walk into this room and know they can be real and honest and we will not walk away from them. Here's the thing. The reality is we are going to fail at that. I fail at that. The reality is often we don't like to get too deep with our pain or too deep with other people's pain because it's messy and it's uncomfortable and it's time-consuming and we have our own stuff to deal with, so how can we deal with others? We blow it all the time. The church often fails at loving the broken and the needy and those that are in pain. But we just try to fix it. We just try to give a solution that's quick and easy and kind of gets it out of the way so we can move on. We fail at it miserably. If you have been hurt by the church, because of this, I am sorry. As one of my seminary professors would often say, abuse does not negate proper use, and though the abuse of the church and how we have cared for others is bad, we're still called to try. 
We also need to know that even though we might not be the one to be with someone in their pain, God promises to be with us in our pain. God has entered into this world as a human and experienced more pain and suffering and struggles than any of us ever will. He knows what it's like to feel alone, abandoned, rejected. It is good to know that God is our shield and protector, that he promises to be for us. He cares and he loves us. And the more we know this, then we can, like David, in the end of this psalm, cry out to God for help. David, in verse 7, calls on God to arise and save them. He calls on God for divine justice and righteousness to prevail. David knows that God is listening, so he calls on God to do the very things he could not do himself. To save him from his enemies. And God does this. We have seen in the coming weeks how God shows up in David's life and restores his kingdom, and how he overcomes David's enemies. And we too can have that hope, and we too can cry out to God, rise up and save us. We need your help. You know, after the 8.30 service, a woman in our church came up to me and said, I have some questions about your son. And she said, honestly, you keep saying David believed, David believed, David believed. What if I What if I am struggling right now to believe? What do I do? And even before I can answer, she said, I have to believe what the last line of this song salvation belongs to me. If it was about us in this room having enough knowledge and enough of our hearts and enough of our mind and enough of our actions to believe, we would fail every time. But salvation belongs to the Lord. If you struggle to believe right now, it is not about you. It's about God and what He does. I believe salvation is only brought about by God and God alone. And we need to rest upon that even when we struggle to believe, when we doubt God's goodness, when we're having a hard time even just barely believing there is a God. God is present and God offers us salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord and He promises to take care of us in our doubts, in our pains, and our struggles. May we believe salvation belongs to the Lord and true blessings come from Him and Him alone. Let us pray. Father, may we believe that You love us, that You provide for us, care for us, that you listen to us, and that you're present with us. Lord, we hear in the Gospels about a great person of faith that struggled in faith and said to you what many of us need to say to you, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Wherever we are right now, help us to believe.